Welcome to the Saturday Cadence Podcast, your ultimate destination for all things college football. I am your host, Blake Biscardi, and our podcast is a must-listen for avid fans, casual enthusiasts, and anyone looking to immerse themselves in the thrilling world of college football. Join myself and David Wertheim as we guide you through the intricacies of college football, offering valuable insights, analysis, and captivating discussions while keeping you up to date with the latest news and recruiting developments. We go beyond the headlines, which is what separates our show from other college football outlets. Our podcast is not just about news and analysis, it's also about the people behind the game. That's right, it's about you, the fan. We bridge the gap between fan and fame. Join us and embrace the thrill, excitement, and strategic brilliance that define college football. Tune in, stay informed, and be a part of the conversation that shapes the sport we all love. I'm Blake Biscardi, and remember, the Saturday Cadence Podcast is the heartbeat of college football. It's the end of an era in college football and not just the four-team playoff as Alabama head coach Nick Saban retires from the sport after 17 years in Tuscaloosa. My name is Blake Biscardi and welcome in to the Saturday Cadence podcast, the heartbeat of college football. This is our 70th episode and it is a jam-packed show that will lead off with Nick Saban retiring from college football. This was announced at the end of last week, which prompted Alabama into a national head coaching search. AD Greg Byrne said Kalen DeBoer was their top option from the beginning and that he flew there on Wednesday to meet with him. We're not going to have to speculate about whether or not that was true. Kalen DeBoer is who Alabama has hired to replace Nick Saban. But before we get to DeBoer, we really need to appreciate and relish and reflect on what Nick Saban's legacy means in Tuscaloosa to the sport of college football as a whole, to the SEC. He won 11 SEC championships at Alabama. He was there for 17 years. In six of those seasons, he won the national championship. The most impressive stat for Nick Saban in out of everything that he has accomplished, he's the most decorated college football coach of all time. He's the undisputed greatest college football coach of all time. Every four-year recruiting class that came through Tuscaloosa under Nick Saban has won a national championship. Think about that. Every four-year class has won a national championship at Alabama under Nick Saban. That stat is remarkable. Now, he's won seven national championships in total one of those at LSU, and 11 SEC championships. His overall record was 292-71-1. He dominated the sport no matter where he was. You know, he was at Michigan State, then LSU, with the Dolphins in the NFL, then came right to college again at Alabama. And there he went off from there. Is one of the great dynasties in the sport. It is the best dynasty in the sport. Nick Saban was only an underdog 13 times at Alabama. That is how much he dominated. And I'm sure if you take out his first season, that number is in the single digits. Another remarkable stat, though, with Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa, he lost 29 times while he was the head coach at Alabama. He produced 44 first-round NFL draft picks, 15 more first-round NFL draft picks than losses. Think about that for a moment, okay? What Nick Saban means to the sport, the town and city of Tuscaloosa and Alabama can't be understated. 
the way he developed players, the way he recruited. He was a masterful recruiter. He had great eye for talent, but also developing talent and maximizing the roster that he had. There was a lot of talk out there that he should win coach of the year this year. You say, well, how could the greatest of all time win coach of the year while he's at Alabama with all the resources and the talent that they have? Well, they thought this was his best coaching job because if you look at where they started, losing to Texas at home by double digits and then ending up in the Rose Bowl, going to overtime against the number one team in the country and almost winning that game. I think if the offensive line was able to protect and pass protection a little bit better, maybe that result is different. But they came a long way this year. What he's able to do with the talent he is able to find year in and year out, the coaches he's able to hire on his staff and develop, or the coaches he's able to bring in after maybe they've had a downward spiral or they just need a place to reset. Nick Saban has places for those coaches. His coaching tree, Kirby Smart, Mario Cristobal, Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, just to name a few there. It's remarkable, his coaching tree, what he was able to do at Alabama. The sport is forever changed with his absence. He will stay on in an advisory role with Alabama. He'll have an office in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Kalen DeBoer has said openly he wants to have him around as much as possible for not only the team's purposes, but also just for himself as he's a young coach. He's only been coaching here at the FBS level, Division One for two years at Washington. And he has had a great meteoric rise through the coaching ranks, starting at Sioux Falls at the FCS level, then moving up to Fresno State, he was an offensive coordinator at Indiana before that, and then making his way to Washington, where he's done a great job. He's 104-12 and 12 as a head coach. was able to spend some time with him in Houston. The energy that he brings to his press conferences, how he talks about his teams, his players, his family. He's a great hire for Alabama, and I think he's going to be one of the next ones up through the coaching ranks. And he's not going to have to go anywhere else because he is at the top spot in the sport. I know Alabama overall in the last couple of years may not be the premier program like Georgia is, but as far as the meccas of college football are concerned, what Nick Saban has built there, he is in a spot where he will not have to move off of it unless he retires because Kalen DeBoer, 104 and 12 as a head coach led Washington to the Pac-12 championship this year, as well as the college football playoff. That was Washington's second ever berth. In 10 years in the four-team era, I'm sure that number will increase in the 12-team era. Got them to the national championship game, had a couple of injuries in that game, and they just ran into a juggernaut in Jim Harbaugh in Michigan and what they were able to do this year with 44 seniors. We'll get to them here in a few moments. But again, Kalen DeBoer, I think this is an excellent hire for Alabama. Again, Greg Burns said that he was their guy from the beginning. There was talks that it could be Mike Norvell, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, Dabo Sweeney was in that mix there. Dan Lanning at Oregon. Those guys all elected to stay and got raises. Jimmy Sexton representing the most of those head coaches there, ultimately getting his guy, Kalen DeBoer, to Alabama. I think that's going to be a great fit, what he's going to be able to do there. I know there's talks if he doesn't know how to recruit the South. Well, he's going to bring in a great coaching staff, and he's also going to recruit the South because that's what Alabama does. Kalen DeBoer will recruit the South for all the SEC and Alabama fans listening. Do not panic. No one is going to be able to fill the shoes of a legend, but Kalen DeBoer wears his own pair of shoes, and he's going to be able to walk in the right path and direction to keep Alabama where it's at. 
And then if you look across the country here of what they're going to be going up against, he's probably going to bring in Ryan Grubb, his offensive coordinator, from Washington to come with him. I think if you're a wide receiver, that now if you're not going to Ohio State to play under Brian Hartline, you're looking at Alabama with Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer. DeBoer was a wide receiver when he played his wide receivers. Romo Dunze could not be understated this year of how good that they were. So I think at Alabama, that's going to be a position now to watch because they will recruit that really, really well. And then you look around the country now, too, and you see Michigan's quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, you know, a lot of guys declaring for the NFL draft up north in Ann Arbor. Jim Harbaugh's future seems to be uncertain there. He's interviewing with the Los Angeles Chargers. They've been the favorite to land Harbaugh should he jump ship from Michigan to the NFL. The Raiders have also been in talks. There's been flotations about the Bears. They've Neither of those teams have moved off of their coaches at the moment, so the Chargers seem to be the best fit for Jim Harbaugh. He has West Coast ties, obviously, to Stanford and the San Francisco 49ers. He would have a QB1 and a great quarterback at that who has not been maximized yet in Justin Herbert. I think that would be a great fit for Jim Harbaugh. We'll see what happens with Michigan, but kind of as we look at this right now, we've thought that that's what's going to happen. He's going to end up back in the NFL and J.J. McCarthy declaring for the NFL draft. That would be my early indicator because he did not need to do that. He could have come back and stayed another year. You can always plug some holes in the transfer portal. Roster-wise, I know McCarthy's stock is going to be super high having just won the national championship game. Now, he didn't have a crazy, incredible stat performance per se, but he won the national championship and he's 27-1 and as a starter. He embodies what it means to be a Michigan man that Jim Harbaugh has recruited and pushed during his time at Michigan. That's what he was hired to do. That's exactly what he did. Blake Corum, same thing. He embodied on and off the field what it means to be a Michigan Wolverine. And then now, a couple hundred miles south in Columbus, you have Ohio State. The class of 2021 feels that there's still some business left to complete. They've not done that. They feel they've not won anything while they've been in, in the Buckeye uniform. And they haven't. They're right. They got the Rose Bowl in 2021. They didn't win their semifinal against Georgia. They didn't win the Big Ten, and they didn't beat Michigan in 2022. Same thing happened in 2023. Didn't beat Michigan, didn't win the Big Ten, and didn't win the bowl game, the Cotton Bowl against Missouri. So if you are an Ohio State fan, seeing all of these guys come back to, to Ohio State, you've got Travion Henderson. He said he's coming back. Emeka Ibuka's coming back. Donovan Jackson coming back. Denzel Burke, JT Tuimolowau, Jack Sawyer, Ty Hamilton, Lathan Ransom. You've got a ton of guys who said, hey, we're going to come back. We have more business to complete. We want to accomplish our goals, and they are to beat the team up north, win the Big Ten Championship, and win the National Championship, and they have to happen in that order. And then in the transfer portal, the Buckeyes have added Alabama center Seth McLaughlin, and then also... Quidshot Junkins, the running back, he was the SEC's leading rusher last year out of Ole Miss. I think he is a great compliment to Travion Henderson. I don't think there's much question or debate that that will be the best backfield in college football next year. In Columbus, Tony Alford's room having Travion Henderson, Quinshawn Judkins, Dallin Hayden, and James Peoples. I think that's a solid running back room there. Premier backs, different styles. They will complement each other well, especially as the Big Ten expands, the college football playoff expands, that extra game or games get added to the schedule. You're going to need fresh legs late in the year. 
and that definite two deep, three deep rotation Ohio State will be able to have will pay dividends later in the year. And then, of course, at the premier position, you have the quarterback, Will Howard, coming in from Kansas State. I think his addition, he's a run-pass threat. He ran for over 900 yards in his career at Kansas State. He's do you like retro apparel with vintage logos, or do you prefer more current? Either way, Homefield has you covered. They pride themselves on celebrating the history and tradition of colleges and universities across the nation, while also highlighting the present day. With over 150 schools to choose from, check out Homefield for all your apparel needs this season. Whether it's a t-shirt, hoodie, or loungewear, Homefield is the only place you should shop for your favorite college apparel. Use code CADENCE at checkout to receive 15% off your first order today. So his, his ability, when you look at Will Howard, right, Ohio State has not had that skill set at quarterback in each of the last three seasons, in any of the last three seasons. They've not had a, a true run threat. Justin Fields was the last run threat. Then before that, you had Dwayne Haskins, who wasn't much of a threat, JT Barrett. So those quarterbacks were really the last two run threats Ohio State had I think that level and dynamic to the offense with the weapons Ohio State will have outside with Emeka Igbuka, Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, Jeremiah Smith, Bryson Rogers, who said he's coming back now. He once was entered into the transfer portal. Now he has said, now I'm coming back to school. Jelani Thurman, the tight end Ohio State will have so many options on the perimeter for Ohio State to defend. You have Trevion Henderson and Quidshot Judkins as running backs out of the backfield, plus the element of Will Howard potentially having design runs, escaping the pocket or the pressure. You'll have rollouts. There's going to be a whole lot of dynamics Ohio State's not had. There's wrinkles that were going to come in the Buckeye offense next year. Ryan Day searching for an offensive coordinator right now. That search has been reported that Jason Candle, the Toledo head coach, has been in that mix, there's an unnamed NFL coordinator that we'll let you know about in the coming days should that come to fruition. So there's some guys right now that that Ryan Day is interviewing and trying to get on there play calling-wise for Ohio State, who looks to be building an all-star team for next year, but again, still have to win those games on the field. The offensive line and the linebacker units, those are the two to watch for Ohio State. They will be crucial And number one, running the football and in pass protection. That was their downfall this year or else maybe they beat Michigan and Ann Arbor. Then the linebackers are also crucial in stopping the run and covering those slot receivers or maybe getting a mismatch there. So the linebackers are another key to watch. But just a lot going on around college football. You saw Jed Fish now take the job at Washington. He's Arizona's head coach. This was a move that was kind of surprising because what Jed Fish has built at Arizona over the last couple of years taking them from a program to just win a couple of games and now winning 10 games last year, finishing near the top 10 in the final AP poll, Arizona moving to the Big 12 next year. So there was a lot looking up for the Arizona football program, and they were probably going to be the favorites, if not co-favorites, with Utah to win the Big 12 next year as they move over from the Pac-12. But now he will move to Washington to replace DeBoer, Washington coming into the Big 10 next year. I think the Big Ten is going to be really deep. The two teams at the top right now would have to be Ohio State and Oregon. Michigan losing a lot. They'll have opportunities, though, to make right in the transfer portal in that second window. Alex Orgy is the quarterback right now. Tulia Tugavailoa is still available. 
And then Noah Fafita, if he decides to enter the transfer portal from Arizona to either follow his head coach, Jed Fish, to Washington, or maybe Michigan makes a run at him there to, to add to their quarterback room in depth if they don't quite trust Alex Orgy just yet. But there's a lot still coming on in college football. You have this early signing day that happened a couple of weeks ago at the end of December. Now you have the February signing day coming up. Then you'll get spring ball. And then that final transfer portal window will open there in the late spring. So a lot still ahead in college football as rosters try to take shape, as coaching searches continue. If Jim Harbaugh is to go to the NFL, who does Michigan turn to? Do they promote internally? Do they go Sharon Moore? Do they try to get Brian Kelly out of LSU? What is the path for Michigan? So a lot still to unfold if Jim Harbaugh is to go to the NFL. You could look at three of your four college football playoff teams from this past year not having their head coach next year. Steve Sarkeesian being the only retention for Texas out of those four teams. Obviously, Nick Saban retiring from Alabama. Kalen DeBoer from Washington replacing Nick Saban at Alabama, and then Jim Harbaugh potentially going to the NFL. So a lot still to unfold in college football. This landscape is nowhere near quieting down or settling here as we move into the middle and end parts of January and then February with the signing period and then spring ball. So a lot still to unfold ahead of us in college football. We will keep you updated on that. This has been a quick recap episode of everything that's kind of gone on but that leading story, Nick Saban is stepping away from the game of college football. And he did say to Reese Davis in the ESPN exclusive interview that he was sitting in his office at about 3.55 last week on the phone with his wife, Miss Terry. He did remove any health concerns from the reasoning why he's stepping away. I know that was floated out there on some message boards and some social media. Everyone's health is okay. But he did say he was on the phone at 3.55 and he had not yet decided what speech he was going to give his team about retiring or about next year, ultimately decide to go with the retirement speech and an end of an era, a sad day in college football, but Nick Saban still going to be around the game and a great influence he was with a great legacy that he leaves behind that he's now going to get to pour into Kalen DeBoer there at Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So a lot happening in college football. We will keep you posted all throughout the way. There's so much happening we will have another episode for you later on in the week. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you are locked in on our social media accounts at Saturday Cadence on Instagram and Twitter or X, and then at Saturday Cadence Pod on TikTok. You can find me on social media at Blake Biscardi. That'll be on all platforms. Again, thank you for listening. This has been the 70th episode of the Saturday Cadence Podcast. God bless. Have a great rest of the week, and happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast and follow our coverage by tuning into our website, tsilverbulletin.com and following us on social media at tsilverbulletin on Instagram and Twitter, as well as at Saturday Cadence on Twitter. If you follow those social outlets, you will stay up to date with the latest recruiting news, the latest around college football, and the latest just touch points where we can post clips from the show, and you guys can continue to digest content in any way that we can get it to you. Also, if you would share the show, we would greatly appreciate that as we continue to grow our audience. Again, thank you guys for listening.